our fascination since the beginning of time. It's vast and endless, and even though we continue to make advancements in technology and science, we really are only scraping the surface, so it's a really interesting topic. What do you think about space? I love space so much. My favorite thing about space currently is the fact that SpaceX is trying so hard to take us to Mars, and I honestly love that. I love Elon Musk. That, yeah, he's the coolest guy in the it's world. It's a man crush. And it's cool because, like, Mars is also the coolest planet, I think. Like, it's got the little really? rope. Yeah, absolutely. It has the Mars rover, and it sings happy birthday to itself, and it's just out there exploring. It's like a reverse Wally. I don't know. That is a very sad <laughs> version of Wally. It is because it's just lonely. It's no garbage. It's just lonely. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, my favorite thing about space is Canada's contribution. Canada has mm-hmm. done a lot for space. Um, we have the Canada arm on the ISS. Um, which is like the transportation arm that like helps load things into the space station. And then we also have icon Chris Hadfield, the guy that plays guitar in space and tweets cool images to get everyone amped up and excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, space is really, really cool. Um, I'm going to start us off with the feed today. I wanted to learn uh, something new about space, specifically about what happens in space that actually affects us here on Earth. Mm -hmm. So I figured that at the very least, I know that space affects our weather, and I just took that as a jumping off point. When it comes to weather, most of us look at our phones and see the temperature and forecast, and then maybe we'll look outside and scan for sunlight, clouds, or precipitation. But did you know that weather can be influenced by more than what we see outside? That it could be influenced by space? Called space weather, NASA describes it as the way the Earth is affected by the activity on the Earth's surface. This means that when looking for factors that influence weather, we can look to space to see if there's anything influencing the Earth's atmosphere. When you stop and think about it, it makes sense that the space has a huge say on the weather for us. Right away we know that the position of the Earth in the solar system determines our seasons, and that the tilt of the Earth's axis as it rotates around the Sun is what makes the northern and southern hemispheres of the Earth so different from each other during the same time of the year. But what else do we have to look for in space that can affect what we're feeling on Earth? Pretty much, it comes down to the Sun's behavior. Have you ever heard of solar flares? Solar flares are sudden flashes of brightness of the sun. They can be accompanied by a coronal mass ejection, also known as a CME. CMEs don't always affect our weather, but they can definitely affect what we're feeling on Earth. I reached out to Valerie Frolov of the U of A Astronomy and Physics Department, and I asked her why it's important to monitor solar activity for Earth. It's very important to be able to forecast solar events because they can affect our technology, our satellites, they can cause power grids to be affected. CMEs and solar flares aren't factors in the weather, but their presence does affect us on Earth. They're significant because it can cause interruption to airwaves, which affects things like GPS, radio signals, phone lines, and other modes of communication. So the sun is important, and though it won't necessarily affect our weather, the fact that it experiences its own changes in temperature means that it may sometimes affect us on Earth. The sun goes through what we call a solar activity cycle, where every 11 years on average, it will go from a very low period of solar activity, meaning sunspots and solar storms, 
to another period of low activity, and in between it goes to what we call solar maximum. At solar maximum, the sun has a very complicated magnetic field structure, and therefore it creates a lot more sunspots and a lot more solar storms like flares and CMEs. So there you have it. The sun has its own cycle, and it lasts about 11 years. But other than affecting our technology, we can't really blame it for any weather patterns. So space isn't responsible for this cold spell we've been having, sadly. That's all I was able to find for factors affecting the weather. We did joke, though, that if a meteor hit Earth, it might affect us in some capacity, similar to what the dinosaurs went through, but uh, that's probably not going to happen. So, yeah, I was actually really surprised when I was doing research for this because I thought space would interfere with us a lot more. But then I guess when I check the weather reports in the morning, it's not like we have to hear about space storms that are ruining, like, my weekend plans. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. Ontario had that thing where, like, half their power grid or their whole power grid got taken out or yeah. something like and so, that. like, that's the cool thing is that it does affect us. It's just that it doesn't register with, like, us as humans. It actually affects with our mm -hmm. technology. So, like, Absolutely. space is actually, like, always a step ahead of us, which is so cool. Well, I wanted to take it a little bit closer to home, but also a little bit farther away. <laughs> See, my dad was nine years old when the moon landing happened. So cool. He was probably so excited. I know, exactly. And that's exactly what he told me. So... I kind of want I wanted to talk to him a little bit about what that was like and maybe go into the future of moon exploration. Very cool. Well, I was nine years old when uh, they landed on the moon, and that was uh, a pretty momentous time. It was a you know, new space age. It was all exciting at that time. The moon landing is regarded as one of humanity's greatest achievements. 50 years later, many generations wonder what it was like to witness such an event and be part of the human race at that time. I spoke with Wes Penner, who was 9 years old when the Apollo space landing craft landed on the moon. It was pretty exciting. We, uh, you know, as a kid there, that was, that was pretty futuristic for us and so we all got herded into the gym and they rolled the TVs in and uh, we all sat huddled around the TV waiting for the lunar module to actually land on the moon and then it took forever it seemed before Neil Armstrong took one step out and walked on the moon and said his momentous words that he said. The moon landing helped shape a generation inspiring excitement, curiosity, and the willing to go into the unknown. And after the success of the Apollo 11 mission, five more mad missions to the moon took place. As of today, the United States is the only country in the world to have successfully put man on the moon. But that may soon change. The United States has not been on the moon since 1972, but many more countries are looking into it, such as China and India. Even private companies are taking on the great task of landing on the moon. SpaceX, ran by Elon Musk, is talking about doing a project called Hashtag Dear Moon, which would send a Japanese billionaire with six friends, preferably artists, to circle the moon, take pictures, and study in Elon Musk's new rocket called the BFR. So although it's been half a century since a manned mission to the moon, it seems like it is not outside the realm of possibilities to occur within our lifetime, and probably very soon at that. This is still the coolest thing in the world to me. I love hearing my dad talk about stuff like that. 
Absolutely. I, I, I don't know why. The moon landing just fascinates me so much. Well, yeah, that's almost like discovering like North America, right? Like during the Renaissance or whatever, because yeah. like that's just, you know, it opened up a whole new realm of possibilities for people. And so like, like they said, one, one small step for man, one large step for man. You know, there's this great mankind. saying about like specifically our place in history where it's like two born too late to explore the world, born too soon to explore the galaxy. Oh, I like that a lot, actually. That's really cool. Um, And so actually, when you think about it, most people that actually think about exploring space, they do so in their imaginations, because Mm -hmm. I mean, who actually has the resources other than governments to go into space? Uh, But that's cool, because when you think about pop culture and space, the uh, possibilities are endless. Like, it's cool what you see regarding space out there for people to consume as media. Exactly. And so we've got Wyatt here with us. He's going to talk a little bit about space movies in particular. So, yeah, as you guys have been saying, you know, space is that final frontier. I think we've all dreamt about one day going to space. It's just, it's this incredible thing that we can't explore because we can't really see it. So I took a beat down the hallways in Nate to find out. But first, I want to know, what is your guys' favorite space movies? Uh, definitely Spaceballs. That's really hard, but probably Star Wars. I was raised on Star Wars. You guys are going to find that you might be a little in line with the Nate population. Space is beautiful and mysterious, but also dangerous at the same time. What was once the final frontier might be the future of life for our civilization. For many years, humans dreamt of space and what might be out there. The movie industry helped bring that to life for many people, even if it might have been a fictional tale. So I took a walk down the hallways of Nate and asked the people the question on everyone's mind when it comes to space. What's your favorite movie? Space Jam. It's out of this world. The Martian. What's that one with uh, Matthew McConaughey? Interstellar. Star Wars. (laughs) Probably Revenge of the Sith. Last Starfighter. Galaxy Quest. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Star Trek. Guardians of the Galaxy. Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Spaceballs. <laughs> there were two movies that clearly separated themselves from the pack. I'll let you determine who you think that was. Spaceballs. 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 Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. While most of the students seem to enjoy reminiscing upon their favorite galactic franchises, Not every student was so optimistic about the question. Star Wars. Just the first original one. That'll give you a heads up. No such thing. Explicit spaceman. It appears somebody listens to the feed already. So what more does he know about the secrets of the world? Uh, onto Wikipedia, it'll explain what the firmament is. It's the dome that's over top of us. Because remember, this a body of water always lays flat. Always. So don't be tricked. Don't be tricked. This world is too deceived. Don't be tricked. But what good is any movie without a plot twist? Even Donald Trump and all those guys, they're all Freemasons. 33rd degree Freemasons. They own Earth. They own everything. They own Nate, universities, and everything. And Nate is all the schools they own is just to dumb people down even more than what they already are. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And may God have mercy on your soul. 
Yeah, so it turns out like 99% of Nate's students are super enthusiastic about wanting to tell you what their favorite space movie is and are somewhat curious to what's out there. And then uh, 1% are about three weeks late for the conspiracy feed. (laughs) (laughs) Which is honestly just really funny. Like That guy's going to make a great movie about space one day. I loved it. (laughs) I I never knew that Donald Trump owned Nate. (laughs) Usually his universities don't pan out. No, this is a highly functional one that he's doing. (laughs) Uh, We're going to take a quick break from the feed. We're going to be back soon to continue our conversation on space. And we're returning to the feed. Welcome back to the space-themed feed. My name is Marcus Penner. I'm joined by Bobby and Ian. How's it going? I'm not too bad. How are you guys? Not too bad. Pretty good. What are you going to talk about today with well, space? Uh, well, we've already talked <clears throat> about uh, space movies with Wyatt, which uh, and he found out the opinion of Nate's students. So I wanted to kind of take a look into space as it ties into another form of pop culture, and that would be music. So, so cool. Yeah. The vast stretches of the unknown and the unanswered and the unfinished still far outstrip our collective comprehension. Space has been involved and paired with curiosity for decades. We all wonder what's out there and since childhood have developed an imagination of what it would be like in space and what inhabitants we might run into. That imagination doesn't always leave and the curiosity follows us into adulthood with shades in our pop culture. There have been plenty of movies made throughout the decades to feed our hunger of space fantasy, but there is one medium that can take us even further. Song. Through song, the artist can take you on a journey without boundaries, only what they desire to write and perform. Space-themed music has existed throughout history, either through instrumental or vocal pieces with lyrics. There was a belief as early as ancient Greece in the harmony of spheres. The idea developed by Pythagoras was that since the planets and stars all moved within the universe according to a mathematical equation, that those equations could be translated into musical notes to compose a symphony. Music and our knowledge of space has come a long way over the centuries, but the one constant is always our inability to know everything and our overgrowing imagination on what space and music is and means for us. From David Bowie to Elton John, R.E.M. and The Police, and even Frank Sinatra, musicians have been writing music about space for decades. So the question remains, what is your favorite space jam? Some people couldn't think of a space song off the top of their heads or were quick to pick a song simply because it had a good beat and space in the title. But after talking to the Nate community, it didn't take long before we were able to bring up songs through discussion. Uh, I got to go with uh, Rocket Man because it's a fantastic song. It's I think it's Elton John's best song. It's a good song overall. Four Deleves. Okay. Classical. That Space Jam song. Spaceship by Kanye West, I guess. Oh, I like Kanye's style. Uh, anything from my Kanye is pretty good. Uh, the only thing I could think of is Katy Perry, E.T. I don't know, it's provocative. Uh, good beat, I guess. E.T. by Katy Perry and Rocket Man by Elton John. I don't have a favorite space song, but I do have a favorite space-themed album, which is Boston's self-titled album. If you didn't know, the UFOs that are on that album cover are actually giant floating guitars that are flying through space. And I just found that out like two weeks ago. We may never know everything there is to know about space, but one thing is for sure, we can make it what we want with music and the power of our imagination. So yeah, as I said in the piece there, most people uh, that I asked, they couldn't really think of a song or an artist off the top of their head that was space-themed. It wasn't until we kind of started chatting about it and it opened up a little bit of discussion where they actually started to realize that there's a lot of songs that do have a space theme. So I guess there's more space songs out there than maybe we realize. 
And uh, do you guys have a favorite space song or artist? See, space is almost like a full genre for me. Like, I'm one of those people <laughs> that can actually go off the rails about it. So there's Space Travel is Boring by Modest Mouse that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spaceman by The Killers is a top jam. Mm-hmm. But my top space artist is David Bowie, of course. Yes. Actually, yeah. when he passed away, I read a cartoon. It's like a little astronaut with, like, the David Bowie, like, face paint. It's like the stars look very different today. And, like, from the song. And I I teared up. I started crying (laughs) so hard. And I was like, I wanted, like, that tattooed, like, across my back. So, like, (laughs) (laughs) it, like, really resonated with me. How about you, Marcus? Uh, Probably Space Oddity, too, honestly. David David Bowie, like, really knew what he was doing when he was making music. Especially space-themed music. Yeah. Because he has multiple space-themed songs, does he not? There's a couple, yeah. Yeah. I think David Bowie was actually too big for Earth. I think that he kind of does, like, manifest himself in space. And that's why he was so big. (laughs) Well, and, and Space Oddity was released, I think, five days before or five days after the moon landing. Oh, wow. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Is Space Oddity is that old? It was 1969? Yeah. yeah. Oh. No way. Yeah, it is actually. Wow, right here. Rocket Man was 1972, so like that's wow. actually quite a bit after. Wow. Did Elton John copy? <laughs> He's like, wow, the space thing's really catching yeah. on. The whole <laughs> Cold War was going on. People were excited. <laughs> Ironically, 1972 is the last time that we landed on the moon. Oh, wow. So, okay. So, these guys are actually really in tune with space. They really were. It's almost like a conspiracy. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. I felt like we've done this before. (laughs) So, if we want space to make more advancements, we need to start writing space music again. Exactly. Or... That's what's going on. We need really good space jokes. Oh, yes. And no joke here. We've got Kara to tell us a little bit more. Space is something that people take very seriously, but I wanted to see what the fun side of it was. Space jokes are what some people might classify dad jokes, but I went around Nate to see if any students knew some too, and I was mind blown at how easy it came to some people. What did one astronaut say to the other? Get out of my space. (laughs) Why did the sun go to school? To get brighter. I was going to tell you one about Orion's belt, but it's a total waste of space. And I have no idea how this guy knew so many jokes about space. Maybe he's a comet, Ian. Get it? A comet comedian? Roll the clip. What is a spaceman's favorite chocolate bar? A Mars bar. How do you know when the moon has enough to eat when it's full? What kind of music do planets sing? Neptunes. What's a light year? The same as a regular year, but with less calories. Why did the cow go in the spaceship? It wanted to see the moon. But trust me, it didn't come that easy to all. Uh, like, uh, what is it? God loves Saturn so much, so he put a ring on it. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to plan it out. And I guess some people just don't have the mind space for space jokes. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know space jokes? Space joke? Yeah, like what's your what's an astronaut's favorite chocolate bar? <laughs> well, why do you need to know that? And this guy seems to know why space jokes don't always work. See, the problem with space jokes is like they're either really simple, oversimplified, and lame or they're really funny, but they're way too complex for the the average person to understand. And if that just scared you away from using space jokes, don't let it. You can use my favorite joke. 
<laughs> Why did Mickey Mouse go to outer space? Why? He was looking for Pluto. Aww. And yes, I know what you're thinking. That joke is out of this world. Well, you now know my favorite space joke, but what's your guys's? Uh, Marcus, you want to start? You got a favorite oh, space joke? Oh, man, I do not because honestly, like most space jokes are just too like on the nose. Oh, yeah. And I don't know enough about space to understand like the really advanced space jokes. Yeah, we can't get sophisticated with it. Exactly. I just like space puns. Like when I think space jam, I think of like astronauts like canning berries or like playing instruments. And it's not very clever, but that's about as joking as I get. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> space jokes just, I, I, they just don't cut it for me. But no. I feel like we've touched on almost everything that we can with space. Definitely. Like, space is a fixture in entertainment, for sure. And that's a, a big part of it, for sure, with our feed this week. So especially, like, with the rise of action flicks, it, like, a CGI gets better. I think space just gets more interesting for us. Oh, definitely. Like, we've had Guardians of the Galaxy. Marvel, in general, they're really tar- starting to do the whole space exploration thing. And I love it. <laughs> and then what else do we have? We've got Matt Damon. He's made his whole career out of being How in space. How many millions of dollars have we spent on saving Matt Damon from space? I think we should do a Matt Damon feed where we just really just focus in on, you know, key details like that. Definitely. <laughs> um, and then there's like Star Wars. They keep making new films. And then we've got oh, Star yeah. Trek reboots. And so it's no wonder that we find it entertaining. It's really impossible to just run out of ideas. Um, so that was the feed this week. This has been your hosts, Roberta and Marcus. And if you miss it, make sure you check us out on SoundCloud. If you just missed the feed, you can hear it again on Enter 92 Sunday night at 7.30 or find it on Enter 92 SoundCloud page. You aren't going to say goodbye? It's never goodbye.